week, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Christian satire group known as the Babylon Bee. Um, You know what satire is, right? For the kids here, it's uh, according to Bing Online Dictionary, the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to expose and criticize people's stupidity or vices, particularly in the context of contemporary politics and other topical issues. That was their words. I, I, didn't, I didn't put in the stupidity part in there. But anyway, this week John Gruden has had quite, uh, has quit coaching because after, I, I think, I mean, they've, for, they've looked through 20 years of emails and found a few things that he said, which I, I'm not saying what he said was good. But they, they've searched until they could find something that they could basically uh, stone him with. It's kind of like uh, the woman caught in adultery, right? And Jesus told them, what, those of you of without sin, cast the first stone. And that's what we find. That's why this is set, set satire, is because, you know... <laughs> Of course, it's funny. I don't, oh, you can't see it. Let's see. I'm not there yet. There we go. So the Babylon Bee in a press release says, NFL releases all coaches, players, fans who have ever said a bad word, only Tim Tebow remains, right? And so there's this whole discussion about whether, uh, oh, it's, it's just, you know, locker room talk. That's all they... They do there, that's all they know, and I'm not sticking up for John Gruden, but really, when you look out at our our secular world, there's a lot of hypocrites today. And even in my own life, um, I sure hope they don't look through all my emails. I haven't spoken the most kindly. Maybe not the words that he uses, uh, and I'm not sure exactly all that he did say. But... I want to use this as an illustration. If someone were to look at what we say or what we do, and they do, how hard would they have to look to find something bad? Would they find something bad? Or would they find sweet fruit? What do you think? Because we as believers should live The sweet life, the sweet new life in Christ must produce Christ-like living. And so, first, once we put off. So we come back to Colossians. So to bring you back to the Word of God, come back to Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1 through 4, we see that we're supposed to have a, a, um, a mindset on the things of of heaven or things that would glorify God, not earthly things. We're to, we're to live like Christ. We're, we're to understand who we are in Christ. In verse 5, we see that we're to, to mortify or murder or slay those evil things, so that, that stuff that in our flesh that we may want to do that is sin and not glorifying to the Lord. And it goes on to verse 8 but now you also put them all aside. So we're to set those things aside and we're to put on, and we see that at the beginning of verse 10, to put on. And verse 10 and 11 is kind of the segue into what we see now of what we're to continue to put on, which is that 
which is a heavenly-minded life and that which is the new life, living in the new life that we have. And so out of our position, we are to live this new life. Out of who we are, that's what we're supposed to live. And so last week, remember, mentioned about clothes. And for all you kids out there, you know, when you get dirty, grungy, nasty clothes on, right? Maybe you don't want to change. Some of you boys out there, I don't know about you girls. Maybe you're like, I don't ever want to change. I don't care how dirty my clothes are, right? We have these fresh new clothes that God wants us to put on. So we're to put it on, okay? Put on really not... Not fresh, clean clothes, but a life that is sweet. A life that others will say, they must be one of those Christians. Or, I don't know what they are, but I sure like them. And I want to know why they're, so, uh, they're, they're such nice people who are always doing this for others that are never saying a bad word about anyone. I want what they have. And so we come to this passage, and now we're in verse 12, and it says in verse 12 of Colossians 3, So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And so when we look at this passage, first, once we put off, we now put on the sweet fruit or put on the love of Christ. In verses 12 through 14 here. And so in verse 12, really we want to say put on sweet fruit, which I've said several times. You know, we were talking about those apples last week. Uh, it tasted so good, right? I uh, even saw a video of one of the little church kids who had went and got an apple, and he says, oh, it's so good, and the mom was video, had videoed it, enjoying that sweet fruit. And that's what we want other people to come along and see that and say, that's, that's what I want. So put on or clothe yourself. And this, this clothe yourself, which we find, look at verse 12, I don't know what your, your translation says, but down, it minds that halfway through my, my sentence or my verse is put on a heart. And really, in the Greek, that's where that verse, that verb, starts the whole verse. But in the English, it's improper to put it right at the beginning. So it's stressing it in the Greek. It stresses this put on. And then it goes on to say in my translation, so... Because of everything we've just read, as, this is a comparison, and really this comparison is more than just a comparison. It's because because of who you are, I mean, you are, because of this, as chosen of God, since you are really, and, and even if you weren't, you would say, if you, this is how you should live. So as chosen of God... That is, you've been chosen by Him, therefore your position matters again. And so, you know, we read, we sing that song, Just As I Am, right? God never says, fix yourself and then come to me. 
says, come to me and I will change you. I will make you new. I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. And you will have the new person, this new man. With You will be able to, as a regenerated, born-again person, be able to live out who you really are. Now there again, last week we talked about there's this, this, this struggle that we have, but the power of sin has been slain. So don't let it. Don't let it trick you. Don't let it drive you. Put it off. Put it away from you and live out who you truly are. And so, who are you? Who are you in this verse? Look at verse 12 again. So, so as those who have been, you have been chosen, okay, of God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are the chosen. And then it goes on to say, holy and beloved. Now, let's start with the word beloved. It's, it's the second word after the holy, but it is very, very important. You are the one that God has chosen and ones that God loves deeply. You are extremely important to the Lord God. Okay? Right, kids? All you kids? All you teenagers? All you adults? Are you important to the Lord? Even on your worst day, does the Lord love you? You are His beloved. And because you are His beloved, should you not act that way? That God really loves me? We should act our act and do things in such a matter a manner, pardon me, <laughs> that shows, hey, I have someone that cares about me. He is the God of the universe. And I belong to Him. So everything we should do should be, everything that we do should be out of a response of knowing that we are sweetly loved. Not only that, but you are holy. You are set apart. You are made His. You have been made made perfect, that is redeemed in Him for His good purpose. And so you should live a life in accordance to who you are. This is, uh, this is who you are, so live it, that is put it on. And the beginning word in the Greek again is that put on. So put on. What are we to put on here? Look at this passage. Back to this passage. Put on a, a heart that is the innermost being. You know, uh, for some it ha- was, wasn't the heart they thought was, was the seat of emotion or the seat of the person. It was your, your guts, your, your bowels, you know. For people like me, that makes sense because I think with my stomach, okay. Um, for a lot of people, I say, what? But your innermost being... This is, this is your essence. This is who you are. Okay? So put these things on. You should have this total uh, essence, this total uh, who you are of being a person of compassion. Not just a fake compassion. One of, this is who I am. I'm going to be compassionate towards people. I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to be sympathetic. I'm going to have pity for others. I'm going to think of others more than I think of myself. 
We're to put on a heart of compassion, put on, a, on kindness. That is, have a sweet disposition towards others. I know sometimes in my life it's really easy, especially having a bad week or a bad day. I just have this, oh, everything everyone says, they're out against, against me. They, they have something against me, okay? Now, I need to have a sweet disposition. I need to think, oh, it doesn't matter what I think they think, because usually I'm wrong in the first place, but I'm going to have a heart of compassion. I am going to put on kindness, and I'm also going to put on humility, have a humble attitude to not have arrogance. I'm going to put on gentleness, that is, having consideration for others. Put on patience, long-suffering, when others are nasty or mean to us, when things aren't ideal, right? Okay, everybody look at me right here. Having long-suffering is crucial because there are people out there who just, oh, I don't like that kid. I'm going to be mean. I'm going to be ruthless. I'm going to pick on him. I don't really care for him. Have you ever been on the receiving end of that? I think every one of us has. I mean, unless you're really, really super cool and everybody just loves you. That's a rarity. But then we need to put ourselves in the most difficult situation. Think about someone who has just been really mean to you, gives you a noogie every morning. Maybe it's a brother. I don't know. Okay? They're just cruel to you. Maybe at work they give you the worst jobs. You have everything against you. They're just against you. And this has the idea that you persevere through it and you don't hold it against them. And it can even include not just people within our physical family but our church family. Sometimes we can be cruel to others and not even realize it. Or maybe we're just feeling like someone's cruel to us and don't, they don't care about us. And we get this idea, everyone's against me. Well, put on this long-suffering. That might, that's probably false thinking to begin with, but endure it. Have this sweet disposition. And if you do, it is a sweet fruit that others will be able to be um, strengthened by. And so we go back to that, I, I just think about Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit. Can we do this in our own strength? No, we need to be walking in the Spirit to have the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 13, moving on. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And so when we look at this passage, not only should we have a, a sweet disposition that bears sweet fruit, okay, we need to have um, grace. Grace. Really, when you look at this passage, when you look at we need to put on Christ's forbearance, that is, cover anyone's annoying habits with love, cover, and, and this is when, hey, if they're mean towards you, cover it over with love. If they're just annoying, cover it over with love. Um, if they have this hatred towards you, if they have uh, anything against you, you cover it over with love. Cover over their weaknesses. 
with love. Whatever they do purposefully or not, we are to have this forbearance and this grace, not only to forbear, but also to forgive. We're to forgive as he forgave. Right? We all know it. We've read the parable about uh, the master who forgave his servant his debt, and he went out and he wouldn't forgive those who were under him. We have been forgiven. Therefore, we must be willing to forgive others. And so put on Christ's forgiveness. And so it says in this verse, um, if there is any complaint against anyone, if there is, you're to forgive just as the Lord forgave you. And this is grace. Did we deserve God's grace? People don't deserve our love at times or our forgiveness, right? There are times they don't deserve anything. But we're to give them grace, which is giving them something they don't deserve, something good, okay? Verse 14, not only put on sweet grace, put on sweet love. Okay, we already kind of went into the love about what love is, but love covers a multitude of sin. Write down 1 Peter 4.8. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. 2 Peter 1.7, pardon me, And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. 1 Corinthians 13 says, you must have love. Because all, no matter how spiritual you are, if you don't have any of these things, it's like a clanging cymbal. It doesn't matter at all. And so we have to be willing to love one another. And really this is in the context of the church family because it goes on to say love is the perfect bond of unity here in verse 14. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. To cap it all off, right? And so the church family must be a group who models the love of Jesus. And there are... There are many differences within the church family, right? It's a good thing. Some of you have hair. I don't have that much hair. No. In our personalities and how we look at the world and how we look at many, a great many things, there's a great many differences and there's a great many failings. Right? Anybody else here? here fail this week did you fail in such a way that it may have hurt another person in your life so there's a great many failings there's a great many problems there's a great many hurts and pains there's many of much of of this world that could pry us apart right Yet we are, to, we are given the ability to live the sweet life which will bind us together in unity. And so he's talking about the church here 
that we can live as a church family in love, in unity. We have the ability to show Christ to the world by being a church family that shows Christ to one another. Have you shown Christ to one another? Maybe you don't have to, right? I mean, it it won't be very difficult if we all strive for the same thing. Amen? But wait, we're all difficult. I'm difficult. I know that. But the sweet new life in Christ, it it will produce Christ-like living and unity within the church. Second, after we put off the bad old life, let us also put on comfort. The comfort of Christ. Look at verse 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell. I love that. Richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name. I think some of us have this memorized. We should probably have these, these three verses memorized at least. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And so when we look at this passage, I, I think, you know, richly dwell. I think of, you know, just greatly enjoying, okay? Not the pickle relish or the sweet relish, you know, the, the dill relish or the sweet relish, but greatly enjoying and never getting enough, right? Wanting more and more, relishing what he has. And of course, sometimes we think, I can't. It's in the fridge and I'm on the sofa. Are you awake? No, I can't. I I just can't have that peace. Well, we all have that peace. I think as believers, I think those who who come to faith in Christ Jesus at, at certain ages after certain things understand what it means to have peace. There's many of us who walk around thinking, I don't have the peace. But yes, you do if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ. The problem is oftentimes our mind's over here and not on Christ. There's a great many problems, but the reality is we do have peace and we are to let His peace rule or judge. That, that, that word that we could translate judge here is kind of like an umpire in a ball game who makes the calls. Okay, That rule in your hearts. We need to let Christ rule in our hearts. The peace of Christ, that is, rule in our hearts. That Let Him judge. Let Him guide. Let Him direct. But in all of this, it's the peace of Christ. Let it rule your heart. And so we need to, to learn to live in the knowledge of His love because you are beloved of God. We need to put off the filthy garment and put on the... His love and peace. And so we can't manufacture this peace. It's already there. What do we need to do to to feel this peace then? Anybody have that question? Well, you should know the answer. It's to walk intimately with your risen Savior and therefore walk in the Spirit. But it's there. (laughs) It is there. You know, it's kind of like uh, the other night we went to the Sandhills Valley game 
because I had two nephews in that game. And I had a great nephew who came and stood up in the stands. And, and he had a coat on, and it was chilly, but he took it off and set it down. And we're like, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> First place, I'm cold. I have a sweatshirt and a coat on. So I told him, hey, we know you're a tough guy. You don't have to prove it. He says, I'm fine, I'm fine. He just didn't want to put it on. And some of us are in this world, this cold, bitterly cold world, and, and it's hitting us with a strong north wind, and we just don't want to put on the peace of Christ. Don't look at the, the bitterly cold world. Look at your Savior. That's how we put it on. Walk with Him. You can't, again, you can't manufacture this. You just need to walk with Him and let Him fill you with the peace that surpasses all understanding. Okay, and then, then we go on. And it, he goes on to say, you know, we've been called in one body. Okay, this is where, I'm, where I get, hey, this is talking about the church. Okay, we're one group, we're one family, we are all in Him, okay? And be thankful. So if you walk in this peace, it's a lot easier to be thankful. When you focus on the bad, it's so, ha- it's so hard to be thankful. It's very easy to be critical. It's hard to be content. It's hard uh, not to be uh, happy if you're, you're focused on the bad. And so we need to focus on Christ. And He will give us the ability in which we can be thankful and content if you walk in the light of your Lord in His love. Going on, verse 16, be filled with His Word. Richly, let it richly dwell within you. Again, relish it, okay? With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing. Teaching is instruction. Admonishing is a little harsh, saying, hey, this is the wrong thinking. You need to put on the right thinking. One another, how as well are we to do this? Not only from the Word of God, but with the songs that we sing. So psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, we find there that, that you know, we can break those down in Psalms, songs from His Word, or, or maybe even just the Old Testament Psalter, which were, they were put to music, a lot of times to the lyre, along with the lyre. Hymns, expressions of praise to God, and spiritual, spiritual songs. And these may be testimonial songs. All sorts of music. We're to encourage one another. Singing praises to the Lord. Why do we sing in church? Well, one, we, we can memorize better. Uh, secondly, it's a great encouragement as we sing these songs over and over again. And third, it's also a wonderful testimony to one another of what the Lord has done in our lives. In verse 17, finally, but we need to, we need to relish His Word. We all understand we need to know the Word of God, but live for Him. Verse 17, what you say, say it for Jesus. What you do, do it for Jesus, right? We know what this means, don't we? This verse, do you? You know what it means? In everything, right? Whatever it is. Whatever it is you're doing. Whatever it is you're saying. You need to do it for the Lord, for His glory. 
People who believe in His name, you know, we're saved. And so we need to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I just thought of John 1, 12 through 13. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were not born uh, uh, who were born, sorry, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We want to point them to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then it ends again here, giving thanks. <laughs> giving thanks through Him, through Jesus, to God the Father. And again, it's done through his strength. There's a lot of things that we could say, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. Well, I can't, but the Lord can through me. So put on the comfort and put on the love of Christ. Uh, I think, you know, Tim Tebow would say I'm not perfect, wouldn't he? And Tim, but Tim Tebow seeks to live for the Lord. The last I looked, anyway. <laughs> but he's not perfect. But he seeks to live for the Lord. And because of that, he does face ridicule. And even as someone faces ridicule, they're supposed to continue to look to the Lord and respond in a way that would bring him glory. Whether it's in the locker room or not, there's, there's certain discussions we should not engage in. Whether, whether we're hurt or not, there are certain ways we should respond. and certain ways we shouldn't respond. Whether we're in church or not, or with church family or not, there are certain things, everything, should be done for His glory. Everything we do, every day, even the smallest thing should be done for His glory. Because the world needs nourished. As the people of this world need nourished. And when we walk with Him, we're able to produce a sweet fruit that will nourish them. Yesterday, Samantha and I were out, and there, we had a pile of apples, and we watched the squirrel, the couple squirrels fight and run, and finally one grabbed that, that apple and ran up into the tree, and I think I could hear him eating it and, and throwing, you could hear little pieces of this and that falling, but a squirrel knew what was good, and people will flock to us if they see, if we do produce that sweet fruits they really will not to us but to who our savior jesus christ we're in a lost and dying world they need the lord jesus will we produce the sweet fruit well if you're walking with jesus you will you are you know we had you know everybody's garden's probably done anybody still have a garden going i doubt it right unless you covered it Anyway, the girls pulled out one of them. I told them, okay, go ahead and pull, the, pull those uh, tomato cages out. And we thought we had gathered all the fruit. And at the very end of one of them was this little itty-bitty tiny red tomato. So we're producing fruit. Is it noticeable? How glorifying is it? I hope it's a big, fat, red tomato. No, or apple, or whatever. It needs to be sweet. Because a sweet new life in Christ must produce Christ-like living. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
And we come before you knowing that we can't do any of this in our own strength and power, but through your strength, through your power, as we walk hand in hand with you, you will produce fruit in our lives for others to see, draw, which will draw them to you. And incur, it will also encourage, we understand, Lord, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're asking you, Lord, to give us the wisdom and the strength and the ability to continue to lean heavily upon you. Help us to make time to walk with you. And therefore, as we walk with you, be filled with your spirit. And Lord, we just pray that our brothers and sisters are encouraged by our lives. And then also that the world would come to know you because of our how we live our lives and what we say. And Lord, so we, we just ask for your help, Lord. Help us to be wise in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So... And all of this, live out your life in Christ. That means we have to make the effort to spend time in His Word, to spend time in prayer. And I know, if you're like me, after the game, well, the game wasn't over yet. <laughs> I clicked it, shut it off. I went to do something, and I had to wrestle with my emotions. Okay, I'm silly that way. Yes, the Huskers do that to me sometimes. But if we have to go wrestle with our emotions, the Lord knows we're human. We have this the old nature, the old flesh that we're contending with. But pray about it. Wrestle with it. Spend time in the Word. Memorize Scripture so that it can pop into your mind at any moment. Okay? We're not perfect. I'm not. But we have a perfect risen Savior. So walk with Him daily and He will produce that sweet fruit. Okay? All right. Let's take up this, this morning's offering. Can I have some young fellers come up here? Do we have any young fellers? Young fellers and not so young fellers.